Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Well, as I said, we're not going to solve this in, in the remaining, you know, less than <laughs> half hour that we have left, so I'm not, I'm not even going to try. Ahmad, why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, about what it's like to be a Christian in, in, in this kind of a context? You know, obviously, religiously a minority, uh, obviously surrounded by, um, by t- two other important uh, monotheistic faiths that, uh, whose, whose politics and relationship to each, each other dominate the region. Uh, and you know these Christians are this little voice in the midst of all this. Um, uh, paint the picture for us of what it's like to be a Christian in the Middle East these days. Yeah, that's a very good question, and it's so hard to know where to, where to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, again, these are unprecedented times. Uh, but uh, Christians, um, uh, it's it's a mixed thing. First of all, Christians. Uh, are more bold to challenge uh, the peoples of the other faith, majority religion, as to what what is it that is what is your teaching? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we in danger? Are we next? Are we going to be swallowed up? But is that your teaching? So it, it, it's forcing the other side to to deal with their texts and to to find an answer to this. So there's this there's open more open dialogue. About why are why do you hate us? Why are what's wrong with Christianity? Why do you hate why do you hate the cross? Why, why is the cross an offense to you? Hmm. Why does Christ death? Why does this uh, extremist group ha- want to destroy Christians and crosses and and uh, and incidentally, um, a lot a lot a lot of the people in the West do not know that the word for crusade in Arabic crusaders is literally the cross people. Huh. So the the cross serves. So when they, every time they mention the Crusades, they mean the cross people. That is like the Christians, right. and uh, so there's this this more open dialogue, open where the Christians are challenging Muslims uh, in that way and asking them what what is your teaching. And then it's very interesting that there's been a lot of uh, amazing new attempts by Muslims who see themselves as moderate to try to reinterpret their documents. Hmm. And I mean by the documents, the Quran and the Hadith, to try to give it a different a different perspective. Of course, the problem is that they've got to use a hermeneutic that's convincing because mm-hmm. it, it ends up being very allegorical. And, mm-hmm. you know, and well, so many uncountless texts are, are very, um, very difficult and, and they're threatening <coughs> to the existence of Christians. So, so, so there's a, that issue, but then uh, also um, we're facing a, a large number uh, of people from the other faith leaving that faith and, and into no man's land. Hmm. Uh, they're just disenchanted, and of course some of them find true faith in the Lord. And but uh, th- there's just this larger group that it, it's a growing group, an unstoppable movement. And politically, Christians side with these uh, this other group and uh, politically because. Because there's now a bigger voice for democracy, for everybody's right to exist and express their faith. But then there are issues that the church in Jordan in particular is facing. Christians are asking, well, should we bear arms? What if these extremists come in across the border 
They've tried to do that, do that many times. What if they cross the border and they're threatening our cities <coughs> and our churches? Should we bear arms? That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. And we're very careful at not answering that question without really um, studying it. And that's why I wrote to you earlier, Daryl, about just war and mm-hmm. how can we handle this. Uh, so we're, we're struggling with this. We, we had um, uh, several events at the seminary. We, we invited political leaders to come. and We've had open dialogues before the Christian and Muslim community. Uh, about freedom, about openness, about these these texts that that call for exterminating the other side, and and uh, and of course we had also to deal with issues uh, like to compare the Canaan conquest with terrorism. How yeah. is that different? Yeah. And we have we go into this very deeply to show the the difference, and it's been an amazing a way to to present the gospel and how finally the cross. Uh, Really, um, uh, really absorbs all wrath forever, and there's there's nowhere else where wrath is absorbed. And Christ took care of it, and and uh, it's. But it, so in other words, it's never been so exciting to share the truth uh, than than this these days. Um, but there's still fear. People are afraid. Um, you know, um, it's it's also affected our fundraising. <laughs> Who wants to support the ministry in the Middle East while it's being dis- uh, destroyed and so forth? Hmm. Um, so uh, these are uh, some issues. Um, let me let me the, uh, let me ask you a question that's often raised about about the way, and I not uh, I'm. I'm it, if you can't comment, then then just let me know. But I've sometimes heard it said that that in the Quran there are really two strands of texts because of the history of Islam itself. That initially, it seemed to be seemed to take an approach that says, well, we we will we will cooperate with the other mon- monotheistic faiths um, and and recognize uh, our common roots. And then as uh, things moved on later. Um, it, the text became more hostile. Um, is 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 that a fair way of seeing what became the assemblage in the Quran? That they that we have these two levels, and that's part of what's producing the confusion even among Islamic theologians about how to work with and re- and read the Quran. Well, yeah, you've had a, you've had a very sensitive chord. That's very true. In the earlier days of uh, of Muhammad, he was. Uh, the verses of the Quran; uh, these are the teach- his teachings. Were saying, you know, to be kind to Christians and Jews and so forth. But then later on, that changed when he became stronger. So now, um, in Islamic theology, it's very taught. There's this very formal doctrine called the doctrine of abrogation, mm-hmm. meaning it's it's a study of which verses have been abrogated, erased, and replaced by other verses. Mm-hmm. So, so these these. Um, these verses calling on being kind to the other side are are not are, are abrogated. They do not apply today. What applies today is these verses that call on all Muslims to to you know spread Islam, and it's it's geographical. It's and, and, and not to rest until it's, it's spread all over. And that's what scares. So Christians are asking, what are what is this really true? So and again, this raised. Um, I have uh, recently some uh, recent efforts by Muslim scholars. Uh, the latest was last July, 2014, hmm. uh, where 126 worldwide scholars wrote a letter to the to the um, self-proclaimed Khalifa of of ISIS, and um, 
and try and went through these several selected texts from the Quran and the Hadith, tried to give them a different interpretation than the, uh, the interpretation that ISIS is taking. And it's interesting to study this, to see the amazing effort to try to give it a meaning <coughs> that's really not in, in the text. Hmm. And that's a difficulty where Islam is finding itself. You know, what, what do you do with these texts? Um, uh, and, uh, you know, there's got to be a convincing um, method of why did you look at them? Uh, so, it just it's uh, making the, the words carry much more weight than they can carry. Hmm. And, and there was an allegorical interpretation. And so the other side was not really convinced. Uh, but it's interesting, at least, that what, uh, there's an internal struggle within Islam. Yeah. Some, some people say, you know, Islam has got to be, uh, it's, got, uh, it's got to be a reformation, uh, kind of like the Protestant Reformation. But few people know that what ISIS is doing it's really, is really is Reformation in their perspective. That, that's going back to their scriptures, just mm -hmm. like the reformers of the Protestant reformers went back to the scriptures, only the result is completely the opposite. Right. Because so, of this abrogation and the sequencing of these right. texts? Right. Mm. And, yeah. So how, how can you reform a text? You can reform people, but you mm -hmm. cannot reform a text that's revered as inspired by God, mm -hmm. you know. And this is the, the diff, very difficult struggle that Islam finds itself. And, and then with that, when you look at countries like Saudi Arabia, that has been, um, you know, teaching, is proclaiming these these texts and these teachings, and now finding itself, you know, it's, it's, it's brought trouble to... to to, to them, to the country of Saudi Arabia, trying to protect itself from the thing they created. Hmm. And, and so th this is what's going on. And I, I may have said too much. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, but uh, again, part of part of what makes this valuable is is that there there is this internal discussion and debate that I would say many Americans aren't even aware of. Right. They just they just have no clue that 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 these tensions exist within within Islam. All you're doing is describing what's there, and um, and and part of what makes this such a difficult reality to try and. To try and cope with, so let me, let me turn our attention in another direction. We're rapidly running out of time, um, and and it's this. So, in the midst of all this chaos that we've described, all the all the pressure, all the tension, etc. Um, what what are you trying to to say to the students who come to your school about how how the gospel speaks into this? Well. Um uh, there's so much that can be said. Um, well, we try to present. Well, if we talk about the uh, difference between Canaan conquest and um, and terrorism, there's just so much to talk about. But it all leads to the cross, and basically, the, the um, uh, like one convert uh, from a majority religion said, you know. That the extremism uh, tells us to to die for God, but the gospel tells us that God died for us, hmm. for man, hmm. and and that uh, you know if we're going to talk uh, their language uh, as that in their in their mind the mind of the extremists it's the the deserved judgment of God on Christians or on whoever they consider their enemies it's that deserved judgment well 
Our answer says, yeah, we all deserve judgment, surely. That's, God is righteous and we've sinned against Him. But there's one person that took it for us. You don't have to kill anymore because there's one that took it all for us. And that is Jesus Christ on the cross. He absorbed all judgment. If you believe in Him, you're protected from that, what you call the, the deserved judgment. Uh, and, um, and so the, holy war, the, uh, the conquest uh, uh, wars were really uh, an expression of God's, uh, God's holiness uh, against sin. But also, it was a message pointing strongly to the cross, where the final, <laughs> final judgment comes, and God does not want to judge people. He wants to save people. And so here lies the very difference in that. In, in Islam, in, you know, uh, they don't want to, uh, you know, the idea of a prophet, meaning Jesus, to be humiliated and killed is unacceptable. That's not honoring to him. It's mm -hmm. not acceptable. He, he should not go through that. Well, that's the very message of it. Had he not been uh, willing to be insulted and beaten, and, and you know, we would not have salvation. That's the very, very heart of the difference. So Christianity uh, is very much a countercultural message in your context. Yes, very, very much so. But it's also an opportunity where it's like um, whatever is going on right now is, is given, paving the way for this bright glory mm -hmm. of the cross to be sh uh, shining uh, mm -hmm. and giving boldness to Christians to proclaim it, to, to, to show the beauty of it. And, um, and it's really interesting to discuss this in class and have different students make presentations uh, and, and imagining that they're talking to the, the leaders of these extremist groups and presenting the Trinity, presenting the gospel to them, and how, uh, speaking their language, hmm. and uh, giving them an answer. If they would only just listen, oh, these these people are so creative, these students, mm -hmm. and watching them uh, express their faith. Uh, so these are some of the things that, again, I'm saying uh, a lot here because of lack of time. There's so many issues, uh, but it's really, I'm saying it's uh, it's an exciting time to communicate the truth of the gospel at this time, uh, this way. Because what you see in the activity of God is rather than being a God of, of wrath to whom, uh, and one to whom uh, a total submission is demanded and, and therefore a price is extracted, if I can say it that way, um, in contrast to that, what we see is a God who's a, re who's a relational God, a covenant God not just a sovereign God. And in the midst of that, uh, he offers of himself that which we cannot supply for ourselves uh, as, as the way out of this trap that we find ourselves in. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. That's right. 
And uh, yeah, exactly. And and of course, Muslims believe in Christ. Mm -hmm. They believe in his. Uh, amazingly, they believe in his virgin birth that he did miracles. But it stops right there. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't say he's a prophet. Mm -hmm. He did not die on the cross. Did not rise from the dead. So we tell Muslims, okay, there's there's some common understanding about Christ, but the Bible gives us a little bit more, actually much more, mm -hmm. about this person. Uh, and, and this, imagine, you know, so we, we talk their language, and what, is it really, um, what if a, a, a head of state would walk into this room, is that, does that demean him, does that make him less honorable? Of course not, but what if God in his greatness wants to save us, and he wants to come down to us? And here's what we have in Christ, in that this, this person, Christ, had a, another nature, that's a divine nature, and he's coming to suffer for us, to save us. So, um, in other words, um, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing how, how um, new ideas of communication come to present the truth in a way, in a culture that's very much shame and honor culture, mm -hmm. uh, where it would be uh, more acceptable to see the difference and to quiet their uh, their anger and mm. so forth. Because the, the interesting thing that strikes me now, this is studying uh, the majority re religion from a distance, is what what I what I see primarily out of out, out of the picture of, of the faith is is this sovereign this picture of this sovereign God, but the relational dimensions of God that we see in. In the New Testament or in the Old Testament, are not there. They're not emphasized. They're not present. God is strictly this. It's almost this ranking that we that we have to deal with. Um, and so the very idea of God uh, taking on well, to use the language of Philippians, of emptying Himself, of taking on flesh, is a very radical idea in the context of the majority religion, isn't it? That's, oh, that's at the heart of it. That's it right there. And actually, if you <coughs> trace it back, you find, okay, because they reject the Trinity, which means they reject a relationship within God. Mm -hmm. uh, so why did God create the world? It's because he lacked a relationship. He only began to have a relationship after creation in their understanding. Mm -hmm. And so God in, their, in, in himself uh, was only a God of will. And whatever he did was by this sheer power of will. Mm -hmm. So every other every other attribute is a subset of this powerful will. Uh, and so even when they say merciful and compassionate, it's not so much that he is that way, but he is he can be that way, and he can also be the opposite. He can be so many attributes because it's all under this big powerful will. And again, it stems back from not being relational in himself. Not having that eternal love of a father-son relationship in the spirit, uh, and so um, uh, so is it, that's yeah. Is there an element of love or grace? Uh, okay, y yes, it's spoken of, but it's it's a different concept. It's not a father-son relationship. It's more of a master-slave relationship, uh -huh. where where this, this master would choose to bestow grace on a slave if he chose to. But he, it's up to him. And for us to say, you, there's no assurance here. In other words, uh -huh. for me to say, for me to say, I'm sure I'm forgiven. It means it means that I have caused God to act in a certain way on my behalf. That's limiting His power. He's 
He's beyond law, he's beyond promise, he's free of all of that, even of his own laws. He's free, you just don't know. That's in their theology, in their teaching. And that, again, stems from uh, rejecting the Trinity, rejecting a relational God. It all translates into this. And it's fascinating to see the struggle in, in history, in, in their struggles to, to understand the attributes mm -hmm. of God and how it relates to man. Uh, and so it, it all comes down to this. Now, are there any, uh, uh, we've got, this is such a rare <laughs> opportunity to be able to ask these kinds of questions. Is there any, are there any covenant structures in the majority religion? Or, or is everything just a function of creation, creature, uh, sovereignty? Uh, they speak of one covenant of works. In, mm -hmm. in, uh, that, in other words, God, in their understanding, had a covenant with the Jews. They broke it, so he had a covenant with with the, with the Christians, and they broke it. Uh, and part of their breaking it was to declare Jesus as as divine, and that he died on the cross. And by doing so, they became uh, they broke that covenant. So he he put them aside. God put them aside. In their understanding, and now it's the it's the Muslims. And, and again, it's all one covenant of works with all people. You you obey you, um, you, you will. Uh, you know, it's that relationship. So it's the concept of grace in the Christian understanding of undeserved um, uh, favor is not there uh, in the, in their understanding. It, it, it's a, it, it really is the ultimate supersessionist theology in some ways, isn't it? <laughs> uh, in which God's favor now rests with this third group that has come along. Right. Yeah. yeah. Inter in interesting. Um, Oh, we're 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 so short on time. I kind of don't know where to begin. Uh, Ahmad, why don't you tell people a little bit about the school and what you do, um, uh, and and how it is? If I can use a, a picture, it's kind of an oasis um, in, in the Middle East. It really is, and we're just uh, full of thanksgiving to the Lord for bringing us to this point. And the seminary is twenty-four years old, and it has not been easy to 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 get it established and recognized by the government, have accreditation of our degrees and programs uh, by international accrediting bodies, European and Asian and so forth. But it's existed there. And we try to reach the 22 Arabic-speaking uh, countries. That's a block of 350 million people. But we, don't, we cannot get them all um, because of, <coughs> excuse me, obviously uh, visa problems, um, security issues, um, and lack lack of freedom uh, in, in most of those parts. So we, we have to work around these things. But we're um, we're hoping uh, and and um, for, we we're uh, we're experimenting with all kinds of, of ways to train men and women. And now their number is growing, even from the majority religion coming to faith and screaming for training. Hmm. So we feel privileged to be in this part of the world at this time. To do this, so um, now, if someone wanted to to give to the seminary, how would they do that? Well, uh, it's easy. On, on a, we have a website. It's jets.edu, and there's a donate button. So it's um, J, and, J E T S dot edu, right? Yeah. That's right. J E T S dot edu, mm -hmm. and uh, and do it quickly. <laughs> 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 uh, let me let me let me ask you another question that that is kind of hovering around the edges here. You've spoken uh, a few times of majority people who have who have come to faith, and uh, and 
we hear this over here, but don't know kind of what to make of it, that there are a lot of people who are reconsidering their faith commitments as a result of what's going on in the Middle East. It, is that going on? That is true, and it's strong, and it's 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 uh, a big movement that, uh, or in relative terms, it's it's something that is unstoppable right now. Uh, we we just wish we that they had the uh, opportunities and the freedoms to do what they would like to do. So the the next step is for these people to declare their faith more publicly. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of it's pressure, different. of course, not to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear – in fact, I think the first time I really encountered the expression secret believers was was in a, was in a uh, majority religion context, if I can say it that mm-hmm. way, and, uh, um, and, and hearing stories about people who, who wrestle with the consequences of, 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 um, uh, of revealing where they really are. Um, that's, that's that's right. Now, how much it's, how much how much um, how much how much pressure are 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 you under? And I guess the way I want to ask this is: it strikes me that one of the interesting things about Jordan, at least, is I'm I'm very aware of um, of what uh, of the site that is located near where John the Baptist is traditionally said to have baptized Jesus, and the almost uh, unusual in the, in 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 an Arab context, uh, cooperation and and presence of 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 a Christian site, um, if I can say it that way. Um, so so Jordan is not like uh, some other places in the Middle East. Is that true? Yeah, it's um, we're um, relatively speaking, Jordan is stable. Uh, and uh, it's welcoming, it, it's a friendly country, and we're very thankful for it. Uh, of course, it's still a Muslim country, there are you know, limitations, but the, the, uh, Jordan is a, um, Christians do exist fr- uh, freely, they have their own church buildings and they worship and so forth, only it's uh, for uh, <clears throat> people to come from the majority religion publicly is, is not, not allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, uh, speaking of, of John the Baptist, uh, Baptist, of course, uh, for touristic reasons, uh, the two the two people on both sides of the river, they each claim that the Baptist did their did his thing. On <laughs> yeah, their side yeah, I, I've been to that <laughs> site. It's it's a that's <laughs> yeah. one of the most fascinating spots in the world to me. You know, well, yeah. Well, we have a, a on the front uh, entrance of Jets uh, a replica of a map from the sixth century, a mosaic map. Uh-huh. Uh, that from the Mount Nebo. Uh, yes, I, yeah, I've seen that. Yep. But, but uh, that's, what's interesting about that map is that it has John the Baptist from the sixth century baptizing on both sides of the Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got it covered. Here, that's so. good. That's good. Well, they they must have anticipated what we were going to need. Uh, I, I, can I ask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talked a little bit about the favorable environment there in Jordan. What what do you yeah. attribute that to? Well, um, <coughs> that, <coughs> excuse me, that's a good question. Of course, um, 
we have uh, we have a good we have a monarchy, of course, and right. in some ways that, that gave Jordan stability because the people are not ready for a democracy of electing and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's very much a tribal society, so the throne gives stability to the country. Secondly, we have a good king. We've had very good, great good kings, and presently King Abdullah and his his father, the late King Hussein, who were both wise men that love peace and and. They're, they're very careful in their decisions, and they're in a very difficult, very extremely difficult situation. You've got the, the, the teaching of the majority religion, but then you've got Israel, but then you've got the extremists, and, and they're trying to please all sides, dealing with refugees coming in. And I think it's really, excuse me, it's got to be the grace of God. Mm. And, I, uh, you know, it, it's just got to be. God has a plan. Uh, of course, eschatologically, we know that uh, uh, in, in a tribulation, people will run to the east for refuge, and we don't know if that's part of the plan. This is from Daniel 11 mm -hmm. and some of the verses in, in Revelation. We don't know. I mean, this is, you know, we're just living day to day, thanking God for what we have, <laughs> but we don't know. So, so far, so good. <laughs> so. Well, Ahmad, it, it's been a real pleasure to have you kind of give us a uh, a glimpse from within the Middle East, kind of what's going on there. We, I mean, uh, you know, I say this sometimes on podcasts. This time, I mean it more than even when I say it. Another say, <laughs> we have barely scratched the yes. surface of what's going on yeah. and the complexity of what's yeah. involved here. Um, but hopefully, the conversation has given people a little glimpse of 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 the mix that is uh, making for uh, the situation that we find in the Middle East, and we certainly um, are encouraged by the presence of JETS and by the ministry that goes on there and by the, the way in which um, Arabs are being and Palestinians are being trained uh, to reflect uh, the faith in a, in a, in a context that, that actually in some ways uh, is like the context the early church came out of, you know, as a distinctly minority faith uh, surrounded by a lot of people who who didn't get it, um, and trying to live it out in a way that is uh, that is as faithful as possible. Mm -hmm. So we we thank you for uh, for being with us and giving us the time. And Andy, I want to thank you as well for giving us kind of a a, a look at the aspects of the military side of things and and kind of how that fits into the mix and and give us a little perspective on. Uh, on sensitivities that the military has as it carries out uh, its responsibilities to protect people, it's an interesting mix it that is. we've tried to that we've tried to deal with here in this podcast, and hopefully it's been beneficial to our listeners. So I want to thank you for for being a part of it, and and thank you for listening to us on the table where we discuss issues of God and culture, and we look forward uh, to having you back again with us soon. Thanks for listening to the Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Join us next week for part two. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.